Good evening. Today is February 1st, and we're studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, <laughs> I don't have this week's chapter. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be sharing on the stories. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. Um, and our speaker is Sherry M. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much, Meredith. You're doing an amazing job. And thank you, Nadia. And thank you, Angela, and everyone who does service on the line. Um, my name is Sherry M. And I am gratefully recovered today. And I just want to say a little prayer before I get started to get rid of self. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. <clears throat> okay. Um, thank you, Lisa. I don't see her here, but Lisa asked me uh, to speak tonight, and I always appreciate sharing in my, you know, being able to participate in my recovery. Um, I chose the stories because um, that's not something I would ever normally uh, choose, you know, it was that or the prefaces or the forewords, but the stories just have a place in my heart. And, um, you know, so I just want to start with saying that the personal stories in the back of our book are amazing in the big book. It's 42 alcoholics, how they recovered from their malady. And um, it begins with Dr. Bob, the co-founder of AA with his story. So then there's three sections, you know, they break it down. Uh, the part one of the stories is the group of 10 stories and it shows that sobriety in AA can be lasting. And then the second part is called They Stopped in Time. I love that title. 17 stories that may help you decide whether you are an alcoholic or in our case, a compulsive overeater or not, and whether OA is for you. So that's a really important section. And then part three, they lost nearly all. Also relate to that, those who believe that they're drinking or eating is hopeless, may again find hope in the in these 15 impressive tales. So when I was new, it was suggested to me, you know, it was really hard to get through the day. And so I would read these at night um, before I went to bed. And, you know, they it was like a sleeping pill. I would I could only get through like one or two pages. And I it was just like, I don't know what it was, but it was so relaxing and put me to sleep. And so and then I started going through the titles. Try, I wanted to pick out one story and then kind of weave my story in. And it was impossible. <laughs> but what I do love are the titles. Right. So there were like all these titles caught my eye. I spent a lot of time like going through this uh, fear of fear, my chance to live because I'm an alcoholic. Crossing the river of denial, it might have been worse. He lived only to drink, right? Empty on the inside. These are just some of the titles that caught my attention. And then I thought, forget about that. It's going to be too tall of an order. So, you know, what, what would be the title if it was my chapter? It would be something like From Death's Doorstep to a life beyond my wildest dreams or something like, like that. It's that profound. And it is absolutely astonishing to me that someone that came from where I came from and who is just, you know, where, how I arrived at the doorsteps of OA could be living this life today that is just beyond. But the one thing that all the stories, and I hope that my story will share as well, is that 
this is how we found a higher power. Like everyone in these stories, that that's the unity. Everyone realized that they're, they could not do it on their own. They could not get sober on their own. I could not get abstinent on my own. I could not get sober on my own. I had to give up. I had to find a power. How did I find that power? And then what does that look like today? It's, you know, what was it like? What happened? What it's like now? And then, of course, I am going to share about acceptance as the answer. And I, I'm sure lots of people choose that as well. But for me, again, this chapter, I was brought to this chapter when I had 30 days and, um, and I have used it and interwoven this chapter throughout my entire time here. You know, I've been in the program uh, for uh, just 19 years. And so it's a, it's a long road, you know, um, of uh, different peaks and different valleys. If I could do a graph of what that time looks like, it is so robust and there were dark, you know, I could shade in dark, dark, wanting to die, wanting to die, wanting to die for many years of it. So, you know, just a little bit um, about me. And I just took all these notes. You know, I'm somebody who just does like stream of thought. I have an intuitive thought. I write it down. It's not going to make any sense, probably. But these are the things that came to my mind that I just wanted to share because this is my story, right? So, you know, in my family of origin, what I learned is that I was supposed to, um, I needed to deny stuff and numb my feelings. I avoided my emotional truth to help me cope with my environment. And, but it also kept my heart and other people at a distance because that was how I needed to cope. And the food was the barrier to this. Um, we were poor. Uh, I grew up, my parents got divorced when I was seven, and um, I grew up in poverty. And so what I learned was scarcity. And I learned that um, I had to just like start shoveling it in so that I could survive. And then, and you know, how does that manifest this, uh, you know, needing to have like backup things in the cupboards or, you know, so much. I can really live with like nothing and know that I can go to the store today. That's a huge transformation, but it's taken a, a while because of that scarcity. I was a latchkey kid from the age of seven. And so anytime I got sick or there was anything happening in my life, it was really just on me to kind of soothe myself and to figure out what to do. And I used food and food was my medicine. Food was my medicine. It helped to comfort me. And then um, you know, I had an, uh, you know, sexual abuse with my dad and then my stepfather. And I got to tell you, without the food, I'd be dead today. There, there's just no way I could still be here. How could I have endured this inappropriateness, right? And so anytime I was in a family situation, and then and then having a mother who knew about this, so this this like, it was a, char a charade. It was just a complete facade of like, this is the life we're presenting to all the neighbors and the friends, but here's the truth. And my truth just kept getting like, I couldn't, it was just like getting bigger as I was like growing and I couldn't do enough to stuff it down. And so for me, the weight started showing up on my body in around high school and um, and that and the food just, it wasn't even enough. I needed to go to oblivion. So I found drugs and alcohol at a very young age as well. And that is part of my story. It's hard to separate the two, but I know this is an OA meeting and I really do support the traditions and the, the traditions are everything. So I'm really gonna just try to keep it focused on the food. But how did I manage my weight for all of the years until I got sober was hardcore narcotics. And um, 
that's what I did. And so I was controlling, like everything was about this illusion of control. If I can just keep eating, I'll be able to control and be able to show up here in this family, right? Um, if I can, you know, when everything seemed just so out of control and chaotic and living in 15 or whatever different houses from the time I was born to the time I graduated, getting picked up in the middle of third grade, sent off to my grandparents, it was just chaos for me. And it was so unsafe. It was just so unsafe. I mean, that's just the only thing that comes to mind is the unsafety and then mostly the, the unlovability. Knowing and being told that it was a mistake that I came along seven years after my sister, you know, that really, you know, weighed on my heart. I am also telling myself I don't want to get stuck in just that because that's not, actually, I'm not, I didn't hit start. Okay, probably halfway over, but I want to focus on the transformation because that is where I live today. And it is absolutely incredible that, um, that, so what have the steps done for me? So I came into the program when I was 33 years old, quickly, when I got rid of the drugs, six sizes bigger, like within six months, it was on, it was just like, I could not stop eating. So my bottom looked like just going to three different fast food restaurants, not being able to stop, stuffing my face, eating with my hands, eating ice cream with my fingers till they were frostbitten, passing out. I had no, there was no opportunity for any sort of relationship. I didn't trust men. I didn't trust women. It was an isolated life. I was a workaholic, so I could go to work and I had that going for me. And then I just came home. I needed to be all alone isolated with my food, with my TV. Back then we had like, we go to Blockbuster and put like VHS machine, you know, so I had my movies and then I'd pass out, come to, eat some more, order some more food. It was just horrible, right? And I, and I thought my stomach was gonna burst every single night. And then I started taking laxatives and then I'd overshoot the mark and then wake up with just incomprehensible demoralization, eating out of the garbage. I don't know if anyone, I see head shaking, I'm sure. Well, I am a real compulsive overeater through and through, hope to die. I've had family members that have this disease and there is just alcoholism riddled through everywhere and abuse on both sides of the family. So I come from a place where I should be under a bridge living with a needle in my arm. That should be my story, but it's not because there was something taking care of me through all of this. And I am just, uh, it's just amazing. And what the steps have allowed me to do when I thought I was gonna die and I went into uh, a facility and I showed up there and I said, I'm here for drugs, alcohol and food. I'm so scared about the food, like that's my main thing. And they said, honey, work out the first two and that'll work itself out. Of course, one week of staying in this 30 day facility, I was up a size and then it was just, I could not stop eating. And then they confronted me and said, gosh, you're eating a lot. And I said, yes, I can't, it's out of control. So I got, I got sober when I was 33. In two days, I'll be celebrating 19 years. And, um, and that is an absolute gift from God, the only one in my family um, that lives this kind of a life, okay? And so what the steps have allowed me to do it is I've completely changed my narrative and changed my story, which has changed my life. All, I came here with such limiting beliefs and I entered o Overeaters Anonymous six months into that sobriety. So I've been here about 18 and a half years. Uh, I was six sizes bigger, busting up, heading towards 200 pounds. And I've been maintaining uh, with God's help, you know, and living with a food plan for all of this time. Um, but I didn't get recovered until November of 2019 
when I finally was able to go through and identify my alcoholic foods. I've had a couple little blips since then. And, um, and I'm so grateful for all of it because it's helped me to go back and see like, oh, that wasn't even my truth. That was someone told me to do that. That wasn't my truth. Or, oh, this needs to be on there now. And I didn't know. So I, I'm so grateful for all of it. It's, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. This whole entire journey is not a one and done. It's a lifetime. And the, these steps are interwoven through my day all day long. Um, you know, what I have learned here is that, um, you know, what does being recovered look like? I don't, I'm free from the obsession. I just had some bathing suits delivered. I mean, this will tell you, I don't know if anyone can relate to this because we're getting ready to go out of town. I live in the middle of the woods now. There's no stores here. So I had them delivered. I have to try on all these different sizes. I'm at a certain age now. Things have changed. It's been a while, right? It's been a minute. I'm in there trying it on. It's not fitting. And I'm looking at myself with love and joy and just like, this is, it's okay, honey, send them back and get another size. That's the narrative going on here. That is not how I, when I arrived here, I hated myself. I couldn't even go into a meeting without, I thought I couldn't breathe the air. I just, I was so grotesque and disgusting. And I wouldn't even look at myself in a mirror for many, many years. And um, that is the gift of the program to get to a place of total acceptance and humor with it and love. You know, I've learned how to reparent myself here through the steps. So, you know, what I've learned is that under, you know, I, understanding myself doesn't change my disease. You know, I, understanding is not enough. Self-knowledge avails me nothing. This is an action step and I action program and I have to do the steps. And what the steps do is they've rewired my brain. My brain resides, I'm sorry, my disease resides in my brain, in my mind. And the steps rewire that. Um, so it's not enough for me to know about it. I have to do the stuff. And so the principles of the program help me. What I believe today is I am so grateful. What I've learned is that if I blame my parents, which this is, this was my narrative, by the way, I have to eat like this. If you came from where I came, and plus, by the way, I've yet to meet somebody who has my story. So I used to identify out and say, nobody, find me somebody who has this story. There's no one. So therefore I have to eat, even though you don't, right? And so I, that's not it anymore. If I blame my family for all of those things, and I also have to blame them for this amazing woman that I've become because of it. And that has been one of the biggest gifts for me is that I would not be who I am. All of the rich tapestry and this beautiful heart that I have that's full of compassion and empathy for others I would not have that possibility. I know what it's like to have the struggle of being on death's door. I know what that looks like to want to die and now want to live. I have that contrast and I am so grateful that what I have today in my heart is um, total forgiveness and let, let, let them off the hook and love. I actually have love in my heart for the mother that abandoned me. And I just texted her. I was asking her about some medical things because I've been having to go to go to the hematologist and back to the ENT. I've been sick nonstop for two months and we're trying to figure out blood platelets and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so I'm asking her questions and she and I'm able to receive the care that she's able to provide today on a way in a way that I was not able 
to do before. And some of the other transformations, just to wrap up, that um, I had a resentment with my sister for like 16 years of those 19 years. I could, it Five, minutes, sharing. Five minutes? Thanks, Angela. That's perfect. And I and it would not go away. And on every single, I've done like 20 inventory, like big inventory. And I've done lots of spot checks. And I just, it would not. It, and the thing with her was that in my house, her photos were everywhere. My mom worshipped her. And there wasn't one photo of me. Up. My life was nothing. My sisters were like, that's, that was the thing. I never blamed my parents, but I blamed my sister. And for a lot of other things. And now it's gone. It has been removed. And people kept saying, like, let's go, let's approach it from a different angle, Sherry. Let's see what you're getting from holding on to that. Like, let's try that way. What are you getting from this? Oh, that story again, right? Like, I have to just be here and I can't be there. So um, today I can say I never thought that I'd be reporting that it's been lifted and God has transformed it. And I am just beyond grateful for that because that was a burden that I really thought was going to bring me to my knees. Um, when I came in here, I told you I was an isolated person. I was somebody, when we grew up, we didn't know any of the neighbors because all these secrets and stuff going on in the house. So we couldn't, wasn't, nobody, we just didn't have people over. I'm not a social person. Having to cook for anybody was like anxiety ridden. And now we just had 13 people in our house, like three weeks ago. We had all the family, the five grandkids, the three step uh, daughters and their family, 13 people in the house. And and, it, and I, all I kept doing was trying to get rid of Sherry, right? Like, it's not about you, go be of service. Not about you, how can you show up and then not panic? Because we have a brand new house, brand new furniture with five little grandkids between the age of two and 10, running around touching the walls. And I was like, ah, like that, you know, it was like, I could feel my mom come in. Like, and I was like, oh, just go meditate. And it was just love and fun. And then I had a neighbor today texting me and say, hey, we're coming into town, but our house is being used. Can we come spend the night with you and your husband? I mean, this is like, this is another person. This is not me at all. And my first response was, yeah, how fun. And it was on Valentine's Day. And then someone else invited us out to a social barn dance where we're going to have dinner and salmon and barn dancing. And it's just, it's a life beyond imaginable. And when I came in here, all I wanted to do was get through the day without dying. And now all I, I don't think about that anymore. God has restored my heart. And most importantly, I don't kill myself with food on a daily basis. I eat what my higher power wants me to eat. God wants me to flourish and God wants me my higher power that I call God or goddess or nature or spirit of the universe, whatever, you don't have to call it anything, but there's something that's keeping me abstinent. There's something that's keeping me sober. And there's something that's keeping me on a path where I know that every day is a brand new day. And the things that happened yesterday are yesterday. It's just today. I've never lived this day before. What's God have in store? Another miracle is going to happen all day long. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. So I'm grateful to report to you that I'm here. I'm alive. I'm thriving. And it's all because the hero of my story is my higher power. And from someone who didn't believe in one, couldn't trust one, to say here, this is my life, take all of it, is, is an absolute miracle. I can't wait to hear 
um, from all of you. And really, this is just such a blessing. I see all your faces and the smiles and the, and the love. And you know what? Where else are you going to get that, right? It's this fellowship. We go to the gates of death, and then we go to butterflies here. Thank you so much, everyone. God bless you. Thank you so much, Sherry. Um, we will we will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call uh, the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Um, Okay, Angela, can you share with us? Let's see. Hey there, everyone. I'm timing myself. Okay. Um, hey, everyone. I'm Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive reader, bulimic. Um, thank you, everybody, uh, for those who are doing service tonight. Um, and Sherry, I just, uh, where are you? Where are you? There you are. Um, so wonderful hearing you tonight. Uh, you are a beacon of light. Uh, you know, when I think about uh, certain people in meetings that step up for service and that show up and that, um, you know, have been goosed with that spirit, right? You know, I really do think of you and um, you've always been so kind and so um, vulnerable and courageous with your shares. Uh, so I, I thank you. I thank you for being part of this and um, and sharing that with us. Um, so, you know, I heard um, something as soon as I came into program, it was years ago, though, and it was about, um, you know, program is not about recovery is not about self-improvement. It's about self-acceptance. And when I first heard that, I didn't quite understand it, right? Because I'm still trying to get better and I'm still trying to work on this over there and I'm still trying to figure that over there. Um, and it really does come down to accepting all these things about myself, about um, you know the things that I've done in my life, about the harms that I've caused, right? And about the service now that I, that I can give, that I can offer because this recovery process brings brought me to a place of um, honesty, finally, um, uh, self-reflection without really going down the rabbit hole. Um, and uh, just knowing that my place right now is to be of service and, uh, and it looks different in every situation, right? I mean, right now I am really dealing with um, so much around my mom and her illness. And, um, you know, we're, we're calling in hospice, you know, this is kind of like final stage here, we think with her. And honestly, you guys, there is no way I would imagine doing this without having my face in a half gallon of ice cream. Do you know what I mean? Like being present through this process right now is just so powerful and um, so liberating. And, um, 
you know, I have energy to give now, right? Instead of, um, you know, just being so self-absorbed and so selfish. And so um, anyway, I just, I, I love this meeting. It feels like my core, um, the people in this group and the, um, the concept of choosing my own conception really worked for me coming into this room, you know? And that is my time. I thank you for hearing me. And um, thank you. I look forward to hearing everybody else. Thank you, Angela. Claudine, will you share with us? Okay. I'm Claudine, compulsive overeater. Um, Sherry, that was that was just beautiful. Uh, the whole time you were talking, I kept thinking this is attraction rather than promotion. I mean, I... I've been recovered for just a little bit now. And all I could think was, I want what she's got. That's what I want to have because it's, it's such a story of redemption. And I could just relate to, you know, I, ne I never understood it. I've been in OA for 10 plus years and the first 10 and a little bit of plus were not a day of abstinence. And I, um, people would say, you know, food saved my life. This did, you know, in my early years and I couldn't get it, but I finally understood that in my childhood, if I had not food, if I hadn't had food, I would have died. I would have died. And I, and for that, I'm so grateful I had it. It just doesn't, it doesn't serve me anymore. But, um, you know, the other thing I thought about is just the freedom that exudes from you. You are just, I want that kind of freedom. And so it's just such a beautiful thing to have. And, and the mother wounding and to be free of that, that is, it gives me a tremendous amount of hope. So thank you for sharing all of that. I'll pass. Thank you, Claudine. Um, Hey everybody, I'm Meredith, compulsive reader in Nashville. Um, wow, Sherry, so much of what you said is, um, I just could identify, especially today, like all of these things are coming up for me that uh, it's not a one and done. I think I was a little crestfallen yesterday <laughs> when that realization hit me. And, um, I too am having all of these mother things resurface. Um, silly me, I thought I dealt with them, but I was, um, I mean, I did probably for the time deal with them, but God's not done with me or her. And just the prospect of The prospect of the pain um, just made me want to run, you know, run away from it, I guess, and and not do and not be as thorough, I guess, as I needed to be. And so, good, thank God, he's made he's made me ready now, you know, with trepidation. But whatever, it's fine. It's it's good. Um, when you said um, you couldn't look at yourself in the mirror, even, I mean, and 
today you radiate light and beauty. So like, hello, that's such a miracle. It's a miracle. Um, I love that you said it's not, it's not enough, um, to know what I need to do. I need to do it. Um, that is an encouragement to me. I need, I need to hear that. Um, and then, and blaming my family, blaming my mother, that was my identity before I started working these steps. I would just cling to that narrative, that story. And that's who I told everybody who I was and who cares? I mean, <laughs> that is, mm, that's not freedom. It's not freedom. Um, so I just wanted to say that, I, I mean, I'm so grateful for the share. Like it, it makes me believe that, um, you know, as far as I've come today, there's so much more and it's possible and you're proof. And, um, I'm just, I'm so thankful for your share and, uh, your message of hope. Thank you. Ah, Whitney, will you share with us? Thank you. Thanks. Um, and thanks so much, Sherry. I'm Whitney, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm pretty new to this program. I've been coming for a few months um, and have finally gotten abstinent um, for about six weeks now. And I'm working with a sponsor and doing the steps. I just am kind of in the middle of my fifth step. But I just appreciated your share so much. And um, I related to a lot of the circumstances of being sober first. And um, I come, you know, from another program that I've been in for many years, but like, I found that 20 years into that program, I was like eating out of the garbage, you know, and that's, um, that was, that was the bottom for me. I have a seven-year-old, I'm a mother to a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And after my son's birthday party, I was like, I hope my husband doesn't walk in and catch me like eating this frosting out of the garbage. And that was after I had started coming to this program. And so it's so powerful to hear other people talk about that kind of stuff and to get be able to have that identification. Um, and, you know, I have come to this meeting a couple of times. Um, it's sort of during the kid's bedtime, so it's not the best time for me, but um, I always like have my camera off, you know, and I never put my number up. And um, my sponsor has recommended that I start to build a, a network of um, women in this program that I can talk to and, um, so I put my number in the chat. I see that some of you have your numbers up there. I'll definitely be reaching out. Um, and I just share, I just appreciate your um, willingness to be vulnerable and, um, you know, share your experience, strength and hope. So thank you. Thank you, Whitney. Elizabeth, oops, I think I unmuted the wrong person. There you go. Thank you, Meredith. Uh, hi, everybody. Elizabeth here. Um, Sherry, thank you so much. I uh, have been mentioning this week that this is my first week coming back to meetings in a little under a year. Um, I was coming pretty regularly uh, around like March of last year. And uh, I remember um, 
your qualification last year <laughs> because I I feel like the um, way I really know if someone touch something touches me deeply is if I fall quiet inside, like if I just feel this like, and um, I, I feel that so much when you speak and I'm not really sure what crosstalk is in this meeting, but I'm just, I'm just gonna say that. So I have a question um, because I uh, realized that I, I really have not ever had a day abstinent. Um, I don't think ever. Um, so I'm in this beginning phase of just feeling like I want, I want this so bad. It's like this, this addiction is destroying my life. Like it, and, and I'm petrified to, I don't know what's on the other side. So my question is, if you could speak a little bit about the beginning of your process and how, um, if you could, if you could provide any support for that beginning phase, because basically I'm, I'm at the moment where I'm just daydreaming of what could be, and um, that is not my reality. So. Uh, that, that's, that's what I would love to hear a little bit more about. Thank you. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Um, okay. So I have a, like a two part answer to this. Um, cause honestly, when I came in, I initially started in another program, um, where we were all on the same food plan. And so I followed that and I gave up sugar, flour, alcohol, fat, and, and one other ingredient. And then that was very short lived. And then when I went into Overeaters Anonymous, for me, in terms of getting that abstinence, it was like I was holding on tightly. And so for me, it was like one item was gone, another item was gone. So in the beginning, it wasn't just take it all. So that's my truth. But I can tell you that that was the harder way. And when I got recovered in 2019, and I finally, and like you, I didn't know what's on the other side. And I thought it was death on the other side. And there's no way that I'm giving that, that, whatever the thing was. Nope, nope. And so what I learned is that then I had somebody, a sponsor, super helpful to have somebody reflecting back and saying, do you see that everything that you are resisting giving up? Is, God, is your higher power telling you that is your alcoholic food? <laughs> and uh, just that sweet little twist with it was like, oh, I can grasp that. That makes sense. Anything right now that I'm negotiating over or saying, nope, not that, that has to go, sweetheart. That has to go. Okay. So, okay. So then how did I do it? I just did it. And guess what? I have to share my experience is that once I finally just said, take it all. Honestly, I was breathing like normally because <laughs> I, what I realized is that in my mind and in my old idea, it was going to be death. It was going to be this. It was going to be difficult. And what I found honestly was that it, it wasn't too hard of terms at all. And of course, there's some detox that goes on. 
And so then um, what do I do? I have a game plan in action. I do this, 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 this to get me through the day. This, this, this is a meeting, this step work, da, 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 get through the day. After a few days, it was really the easier way is letting go. And so what's important is to have the sponsor helping me, helped me to identify what my alcoholic foods and ingredients and behaviors were. And they helped me, for me, I still couldn't see what I couldn't see, what I didn't know, what I didn't know. But when they put it into terms like, wow, can you imagine drinking a glass of wine once a week? Like, that's what I was doing with the food. Like, and you're still going to call yourself sober? No, that made no sense, you know, or saying just, it's just sugar. Really, Sherry, did you ever open up a bag of sugar and eat a bag of sugar? Never. So then we had to go deeper and look at the actual foods that I was eating that were get, I was getting comfort from. So I don't have foods in my diet plan that I'm getting comfort from today or getting an effect from because that's my allergy and my allergy breaks out in more that's how this disease manifests it is very hard let me just say I have a lot of different outside 12 step this is by far the hardest time sharing yeah it's just it just is and so work with someone stay close call us we have numbers in the chat people will help you you don't have to do it alone we're not alone Thank you, Sherry. Um, Nadia, do you want to stop the 